Amos chapter 5, verse number 14, and it reads as follows. Seek good and not evil, that ye may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as ye have spoken. Hate evil and love the good and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. And uh, we'll stop there right now. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this time we have here to study your word, the Bible, that you've given us your Bible, that you've given us to learn from, to inspire us, to teach us, to guide us. Lord, we ask that you be with this congregation right now and all the other Sunday schools right now that are now looking into your word, studying your word, learning your word, that this word may be made manifest in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue now with our study of the book of Amos. If you remember, the uh, big picture when we talk about the book of Amos is this. The book of Amos is about judgment. It's about God's judgment. And that's the theme that permeates through all of this book. From chapter 1 all the way through the end, we're going to hear about judgment over and over and over again. We have been hearing about judgment over and over again. Judgment on Gentile nations. Judgment on Israel. Judgment on Judah. Over and over again. A reminder that God is watching us. God is judging us. And of course, that leads hand in hand to his call for us to come back to him. That call to repentance. We've been studying in chapters 3, 4, 5, uh, three different speeches, we would call. I don't know, three different uh, messages of Amos, where he's sharing a message from God, again, all relating to judgment, where he starts off with this phrase, hear ye this word, hear ye this, right? Hear ye whatever. Amos is very uh, methodical as a writer. He uses the same type of uh, phrases over and over again to try to hammer in this message. Right? So in chapter 5, we've started off, hear ye this word. And the other repeated phrase we've been looking at in chapter 5 is, seek ye. Right? Seek ye this, seek ye that. Right? In the start of chapter 5, God made it pretty simple. He said what? In verse 4, seek ye me and ye shall live. Right? The first thing he says that if you guys want live, to live, you want salvation, follow me. Right? Follow me. Let me be your leader. Let me be your guide. And that's the way to life. That's the way salvation. Still true today, right? If we follow God, we follow Jesus, we have Jesus in our heart, we have life, everlasting life, even true today. Then we looked at how he didn't want us to seek, right? In verse number five, where it says, but seek not, right? But seek not. Seek me, but don't seek me this way, right? Seek not Bethel or Gilgal or Beersheba. And we talked about how those were wrong places of worship, right? That Israel, the people of Israel were lazy. They didn't want to worship in Jerusalem at the temple as commanded in the Holy Scriptures. Instead, they wanted to do it their own way, the lazy way. And we talked about how we seek God, got to do it the right way, right? Not just the lazy way. Then after that, after that, last time we talked about how seek the Lord and ye shall live, right? Seek him that maketh the seven stars and all that kind of stuff, right? We seek out God because he's the creator. 
He's the all-powerful one. Obviously, he's the one that if we're going to seek at all for help, for guidance, for salvation, for life, for anything, why not the creator of everything? Isn't it logical that the creator of everything is the one that has that power? The one that can stand in judgment. And again, we read last time, we talked about the sins, the sins that led to these judgment, right? And uh, in specifically, you read about how they, verse 7, turned judgment to wormwood. They left righteousness off the earth, right? Verse 11, about how they treaded upon the poor, right? We talked about how it's likely all these verses were talking about the injustice, the injustice of the people of Israel, right? About how they didn't allow justice to be served. They abused their money, right? To take advantage of people, right? That they could like bribe the government to get their way, right? And we talked about how it didn't make sense. It's not in accord with what the way God wants things. God is a God of justice, a God of equality. It doesn't matter if you're the richest guy or the poorest guy, everyone can come to worship God, everyone can be saved. That's God's standard. Doesn't care if you're red, black, white, or whatever, right? Doesn't care if you're rich or poor, doesn't care what background you're from. That's fundamental, that's simple, that's obvious. Hey, God is a God of everyone. Yet the system that they had brought up there in Israel was that it's a special system. We rich people live by different rules, right? I'm rich, I can get special treatment, I don't have to follow the same rules. I don't have to follow the same laws. I'm not subject to the same judgment. Right? Something like that rubs people the wrong way, doesn't it? Even today. You saw this, this, just this last week. We saw in the news the, uh, the, some of the sentences come down in the whole college admission scandal. Right? The college admission scandal rubbed people the wrong way a lot. Rubbed me the wrong way a lot. Right? Because the, to us, when we talk about fairness, it did not seem fair. Oh, you are rich. You're a celebrity, you're a Hollywood person, you can pay hundreds of thousands of dollars and this guy will help get your kid into the big name college, right? It doesn't seem fair to all of us. All of us, you know us, we, none of us, I don't think, were super rich and had parents pave our way. We had to do it the old fashioned way. We had to study, get good grades, write your essay, all that stuff. And then maybe, maybe you might get into an okay school, right? I don't think any of us here are like, Ivy Leaguers or whatever else that these people paid like hundreds of thousand dollars to get into. But you see, that made people upset because it wasn't fair. God's a God of fairness. So he wants us to treat us all equally, treat us all fairly. And I said that, you know, gave example of how we here at church, we try to treat people fairly. It's not, oh, you know, just because you are like a rich guy, you get special treatment, right? Or just because you're a poor guy, we don't want you here. No, no, no. Try to be open to all. That's why the Chinese school only costs $55, right? Want everyone to have a chance to get saved. Not only the people that can afford Chinese school, right? Oh, you're rich, you can afford Chinese school. We'll, we'll witness to your kid. Oh, you're poor, you can't afford it. No, no. We try to make it low price so that everyone can afford it, right? And same idea. No one gets kicked out of church because, oh, you don't put any money in the offering or something like that. No, it doesn't matter. But zero dollars in the offering does not matter one bit. Everyone is just as welcome, right? doesn't matter. We want as many people to get saved. God wants as many people to get saved. God wants as many people in his house, regardless of background, income, whatever. Yet for whatever reason, Israel didn't think that way. They were self-centered. 
they're greedy, they thought about it all exactly the wrong way. Which leads us to God's recommendation. We read these two verses here. So what's Amos saying here? So we talked about all this bad stuff. They were seeking, they're supposed to seek God. Instead, they're doing all this other stuff. What's the answer? Once again, we go with the word seek, seek. In verse 14, Amos has the answer. He says this, seek good and not evil that ye may live, right? Seek good and not evil that ye may live. And verse 15, the continuation of that starts off with this, hate the evil and love the good and establish judgment in the gate. It's a very simple message. It's a, people might say, it's maybe too obvious of a message, right? But says Israel, you guys been going down the wrong path. Here's the solution. You guys ought to seek good. You know what you should not seek? You should not seek evil. Now, some of you guys in this audience right now might be going, well, isn't that like super obvious, right? Like, duh, you got to do good stuff. Don't do bad stuff. Yeah, it is obvious. It is simple. But they needed this message because Israel simply was not doing it. Sometimes it's the simplest messages that bear the most repeating, right? That you got to understand this first and foremost. Israel, before we get to anything else, can you do this, this one thing? Can you do this one really simple, this easy thing? It sounds so simple, right? Don't do evil stuff. Do good stuff. That'll get you on the right track, right? That's the way to get on the right track. You say, oh God, you're judging me. You're sending us all this bad stuff. What can we do? What's the answer? What's the solution? Is it this complicated thing? Do we have to do a weird sacrifice? Do we have to, to prostrate ourselves in front of you, take off our clothes, wail in the street, do all this stuff, all this whatever? No. How about the most simple thing? How about the step one? Stop doing that bad stuff. Start doing this good stuff. It's obvious. It's simple. It's true. Yet they had it wrong. And why? Once again, the key word in these verses is the word seek. Seek is the key word. Because I'm just saying always do good and never do evil. Because we know that's not a realistic thing. But the idea is that we ought to seek. Seek after good. And not seek. Not seek after evil. Amos, and God uses this word, because it talks about where our heart lies. Truth be told, I'm sure all of us here in this audience, myself included, we cannot say that we never do evil. I'll be honest with you guys, I definitely still do evil things, I do wrong, I sin all the time. Right? That's true. Can't help it. My mistakes, my errors. But you know what? I don't seek to do evil. Sometimes it just happens, right? And after I do evil, after I do wrong, I know, boy, I need to pray to God for forgiveness. I pray, God, I'm sorry. I sinned today. It's not right. I shouldn't do it that way. We ought to have that heart. The heart to seek after good and the heart not to seek after evil. You see, that was the problem. The real problem that Israel had was that their motivation in life was all wrong. It was all wrong. It was all twisted. It was all twisted. 
That they sought after the things of the world. They sought after the things of their own desire and not after the things of the Lord. In our lives, we're going to get it right. We just seek after godly things first and not seek after evil things. We've got to have the heart in the right place, even if we do and screw up wrong. And I'll give you the extreme example. I think I mentioned this just a couple of months ago, right? As the extreme example of what we're talking about when we talk about uh, seeking good, not seeking evil, right? But having our heart in the right place or maybe having our heart in the wrong place, right? I gave the example, I think Melvin gave the example too, about people who are homosexual, right? We know that in the Bible it's very clear that when you talk about things like sexual sin like that, God is against it, right? There's no way you can interpret his word to say, hey, this is A-okay and we should be able to do this, right? It's something that's wrong. Yet, are there people who are homosexual that are saved, that are Christians, that believe in God? The answer, I think, is yes, probably, but probably not that many, right? Why is that? Because God looks at your heart, right? How is your heart like if you say, you know, God, this is my lifestyle. I know you say in the Bible this lifestyle is an abomination to you, a sin to you, but you know what? I don't care. This is what I love. It's my life, my rules. I'll do it my way. Is that seeking after good? No, that's the exact opposite. That's seeking after evil. You literally are telling God, I choose to sin every day, right? And I don't care. This is what makes me feel good, what makes me feel happy. But is it possible? Is it possible? And I say yes. Is it possible that you're someone homosexual person that knows that, hey, I read the Bible and says this is wrong, but you know, I can't stop it right now. I pray to God that I wish I could stop it, but I still sin every day. That's my problem. But God, I'm trying to work on it. I'm proving, hopefully, one day, maybe I'll stop. Those people, even though they're still sinning, right? They are seeking after God. And I would believe that those people have their heart in the right place and have the heart of true repentance, right? So it's possible. It's no different than someone that says, I gamble all the time, right? If you gamble all the time and say, you know what, God, I, there's nothing wrong with it. I love gambling. I'm going to lose all my money. I don't care. It's my life, my fun, right? I would say that person also is seeking after evil, not seeking after good. On the flip side, we know that there's some people, even Christians, that get sucked into gambling sometimes. They gamble once in a while or whatever. They know it's wrong, right? They don't. You know, they, they get sucked into it. They're weak. They're sinners. They do it. They come back to God eventually, right? Those people, even though they still sin, are seeking good. They know it. They know what's right. They know what's wrong. So this is the problem that Israel had, the wrong heart. And the problem that people have still today, right? I gave the example of the homosexuality and sexual sin. How much more so is it in a broader sense of all sexual sin today that society is, uh, is pushing out there in the world? That the standard right now is that you ought to love the way you want and live the way you want, right? Isn't that the message preached by all of popular culture and the media and TV and movies and everything like that? Right? For them, from their perspective, it's wrong to ever say anything, to judge, hey, you're not living the right way, the godly way. It doesn't matter if you have 
sex before marriage, right? It doesn't matter if you're shacking up. It doesn't matter if you're on uh, Tinder all day long, swiping left, swiping right, looking for the next hookup or whatever, right? It doesn't matter. We don't want to judge, right? We don't want to judge. That's the way the world looks. And in fact, if we do judge, it's, it's looked at as we're looking, down on, we're looking down on you for trying to impede on our freedom, right? Shouldn't we all have freedom? Freedom to live the way we want. That's the pop culture world. That's the media world. That's the way the world is today. They don't want judgment. But what does Amos say? Amos is all about judgment, right? Judging our hearts. Are our hearts in the right place? Are we seeking after our own self-centeredness, self-gratification? The same thing that Israel had, right? I want to live this lifestyle because it makes me feel happy. I want to live this lifestyle. I want to do this act and do this thing because it makes me have fun. That's the world's answer. That's seeking after evil, isn't it? Because God really says in the Bible, all these things against those type of lifestyles, all those sorts of activities. We're going straight against it when we do that. Is that what we're willing to say? That I don't care, God. This is what makes me happy. I'm going to go in direct opposition to you. Then we're doing it wrong. We're seeking after evil. You know, some people read this and think, seeking after evil, of course I never do that. That means those bad people in the world, like those mass shooters, they murder hundreds of people. Those are the evil guys. And certainly enough, they are evil. They did do a bad thing, right? But it's not just them. It's not just the guy that robs the bank and steals all the money. Oh, he's the evil guy. Not me. I don't do evil. I don't do some of that. But in our lives, and our hearts are wrong, seeking after the wrong things, are we not as evil as them? That's what God's standard is. God's standard is sin is sin. Sin is sin. Our sin is judged. Just like the guy that murders the people, his sin is judged. The same way the people that live the sexually immoral lifestyle, their sin is judged. Just like the people of Israel who stepped on the poor that didn't allow the poor their judgment and their fairness. They are judged. You know, they had that wrong heart. We have that wrong heart today, even when it comes to exactly the same thing. How true is it today? And I just gave the example earlier, right? When we talked about the people doing the whole like college admission scandal or whatever, that people are greedy, that people do care about money in their life. When we seek after that as the first and foremost thing, are we really seeking after God? Doesn't the Bible say that the love of money is the root of all evil? It is. It is. So we might not think, oh, I'm in the same category as these evildoers, the murderer, the thief, or whatever. But when our heart, when what we seek is the wrong thing. We seek after money only. Boy, I wish I had more and more money. I seek after it more and more to the point where you're just like the people in the days of Israel. I'll stomp on anyone else. I'll disregard God all I want so I can get more money. Is it true? Sadly, it is. Look at some of our Christians, brothers and sisters today that fallen away from God. What is one of the reasons? One of the reasons is because they pursue their own physical needs above their own spiritual needs. They say this, boy, I've got a house, car payments, kids, or whatever. 
You know, I wish, sure wish I could have more money, right? So their attitude is, you know, if this job requires me to sacrifice my worship of God, that I can't worship God on Sundays, I'd rather pick this job. I'd rather pick this extra money. What are they seeking after when they make that choice? Maybe in their own mind, they've fooled themselves into thinking, well, I'm seeking after financial stability for my family or whatever, right? I'm seeking after, you know, the ability to, you know, have a carefree retirement one day. I'm seeking after whatever it is, the ability to buy a bigger house or whatever they're looking for, right? They do this thing. But in exchange, they sacrifice. They sacrifice their true heart for God. Now it's true, it's just true this, right? There's people that have to work on Sunday, right? You don't have a choice, that's your job, right? Some of you guys know me, I've worked on, we- I work on the weekends, that's not out of the ordinary for me, and yes, I've missed church because of, of work before. But I know, I know in my heart, I know in my heart, that's the wrong thing, right? This goes back to what we seek. That's that word again, seek. Sometimes I know some of you guys in this audience right here, sometimes you have a choice. Your schedule says, hey, this is a schedule. You got to work this Sunday. You're no choice, right? But I know, hopefully, I don't know this, but I'll say hopefully, hopefully you guys know in your heart, right, that God doesn't prefer that, right? That, hey, maybe this is the one time out of every few months I got to do it, right? I got to do it this time and try to minimize it as much as possible. But I want my heart to say, Lord, I seek good. I don't seek evil. I'm not doing this because I just want the extra money or whatever or because it pays extra overtime or because I get the bonus or moving up and doing it just because I have to. And it's just one time or once a month or once every five months or whatever. But I try to avoid it, God. My heart is to seek after you. My heart is to be here in church, to hear your word, to worship you, to honor you, to glorify you. That's what I seek. I seek good first and foremost, not evil. Folks, we've got to evaluate our life that way. What's our number one? What are we seeking? People fall in the wrong trap all the time. It's so easy. I know because I live that life, right? It's so easy to say, boy, I wish I had another $10,000 here or there. I look at some of the people that I came up with in, uh, in school, right? Some of them are doing way, way better than me. They've made partner. They make two, three, four times what I make. But I see them in their life. How do they get to that point where they make like double, triple, four times what I make? Well, they did it by working harder than me. They work seven days a week. They work seven days a week. They're putting in eight hours a day, even on the weekends, right? They're billing out that time like crazy. They're working way harder than I ever did, right? And that's how they got ahead. That's their goal. That's what they sought from the very moment they graduated. They had that goal in their life that, you know, I'm going to make it. I want to be a partner at a large law firm. This is the way to do it. I work 24, 2,500 hours a year or whatever, right? And that's the way it gets done, right? And you do the math. The only way to work that many hours is that you've got to work seven days unless you never sleep or whatever, right? That was the choice they made. I didn't make that choice. I could have, right? I guess if I decided to and spent my whole life working nonstop, I would have had thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, more dollars, right? What does that get me? In my opinion, it doesn't get me anywhere, right? Those are all just physical things. Physical things. Oh, you have a bigger house than me, right? You live in a nicer neighborhood, right? Your kids can go to the fancier private school or whatever, or whatever you would say, right? 
What does that really mean? It doesn't mean anything if we don't have God, does it? It doesn't mean anything if our heart is all wrong. I would rather have, I'd rather have a family that seeks God first than a family that has the biggest house and the fanciest vacations and the best car and the whatever else that you can get with all these thousands and thousands and thousands of extra dollars. No, no, no. God wants first our heart. It's so elementary, right? It's so obvious. But the people of Israel needed that message, didn't they? They needed that reminder. Seek good. Do not seek evil. You guys all say, oh, it's so obvious. Duh. But so many people, we've seen it. Even people who have sat next to us in this audience, we've seen them turn the wrong way and see the wrong thing where they sought the wrong thing and went the wrong way. Can we say otherwise? I hope so. I hope so. Our time's up right now. We'll continue more with chapter 5 and more of uh, Amos' speech here next time. Right now, let's end up with a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for your message here in Amos. Not a complicated message. One that, for a second, when I first read it, I said, oh, this is so obvious. Maybe I shouldn't even speak about it. But the more I thought about it, I see how important it is that our heart is in the right place, that we do seek to avoid evil, that we do seek good, seek your things, your way. We're not perfect. We're going to fail. I fail. I fail all the time, right? But hopefully our heart is in the right place, that we're continually striving more and more to be in line with you. Lord, we ask you to bless this congregation as we continue to worship you and continue to honor you this Sunday morning. In Jesus' name, amen.